0: to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz.
1: And I'm Hazel. We are two friends who studied archaeology together and who love history and making things. And we usually like to start by what we have been making and or baking recently, whether it's historically related or otherwise. Um, So before we get on to our main subject, what have you been up to recently?
0: So I actually, I have a making and a
1: baking and Exciting. I have a
0: historically related and an otherwise.
1: You're covering every category today. <laughs> um, So I made some rhubarb scones. Ah, oh, delicious. Uh, I forgot it's the season.
0: The season. We got unforced fresh rhubarb. <laughs> if that phrase confuses you, listen to our rhubarb episode.
2: <laughs> we did. Conveniently, we
1: have one of those. Yes. Okay. So rhubarb with the freedom of, freedom of choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I put—I was going to put custard powder in to make it a little bit of a rhubarb and custard vibe because I love custard, classic. Um, but we didn't have any, so I—I I put in—I was fancy. I put in some uh, vanilla pod instead.
2: Ooh!
0: So probably the fanciest scones I have ever made or will ever make.
2: Oh,
1: those sound great. They're really good. <laughs> I like the, the vanilla combo. I feel like that like rhubarb being quite a sharp flavour, I feel like that would go well.
0: It does go really well. And then you put the, the clotted cream on as well. And it's oh. perfect.
2: <laughs> Truly luxurious.
0: <laughs> and my historical, which is also thread, Piscon's bread. I'm covering oh. all of the races.
1: I'm loving this.
0: Um So I got myself some linen a while ago, and I'm making Mm. a early medieval underkirtle. Oh, out of linen. Awesome. It's this is my first time making a garment that isn't a circle skirt. It's got sleeves and gauze.
1: Is that the one where everything's still like mostly rectangular
2: or or triangular though?
0: I have. Two rectangles, two smaller rectangles, and two triangles.
1: Well, if you can do circle skirts, you can certainly pull off one of those.
0: Yeah, it's like I I felt like making something that kind of era was good because like because I want I want to be one of those people that has historical wardrobe anyway. But also like
1: that sounds fun
0: it seems like a, it seemed like an easy one to start with mm-hmm. because it's just some more basic shapes
2: yeah i feel like it's probably a really good introduction to like garment making as well
0: yeah it's just, it's taking a while because i'm hand sewing it impressive and also i need to finish the seams while hand sewing it so i'm basically doing a backstitch with really small like Not even half a centimetre stitches. Wow. (laughs) And then blanket stitching it the same seam at the same stitch distance to finish it and hope so that I can hopefully machine wash it.
2: That sounds pretty sturdy.
0: It's it's a lot of work, (laughs) but I'm having fun. It's very... It's it's that autism thing of just I'm just gonna sit down and do the same motion for like an <laughs> hour, and it's gonna be a great
2: time. Yeah, I find hand sewing really soothing as well. Actually, it's um, it, it just hits the spot, you know. Is that is my
0: bread and my thread? Because I feel like scones are a bread adjacent.
2: I mean, definitely, like. I'm not, I'm not sure what the distinction is. I feel like maybe I should know there are yeasted scones
0: yeah, and I feel like yeah. I feel like if it's self-raising flour it's more
1: of a cake. Yeah, cuz you can have yeasted cake and unleavened bread, can't you? So Yeah. Although I'm I make scones doing the
0: breadcrumb thing like you do for pastry. So mm-hmm. I secret fourth thing I
1: guess. It's not bread cake or pastry. <laughs> it's just its own thing. Scones are in a class of their own. Yeah, um, I should have pronounced it scones, so it would rhyme.
0: On the other hand, you would be incorrect. <laughs>
1: <Hey>. <laughs> Excuse me, are you are you insulting the south?
0: Yes, <laughs> um, but I'm, I've also, I'm also making. I mean, by the time this episode goes out, I will have made scones, uh, rhubarb scones, maize patreon recipe so give us money and learn how to make rhubarb scones <laughs> what have you been up to
2: um not huge
1: amounts because i have been uh finishing my master's dissertation which is due next week that's um,
0: probably more important than
1: scones. yeah so like we are now in large-scale panic territory <laughs> but but that actually kind of counts on the, the archaeology related side um because i'm um for anyone who's not a long time listener i study occupational therapy and um i'm doing my dissertation on um archaeology as an occupation so um, that's that's quite fun and uh, it's been a long process but but it's sort of tangentially tangentially God, that's a hard word related <laughs> to the podcast so um i guess you could consider that craft the craft of research um i'm, I'm shoehorning this in here but um <laughs> i have also been i received my uh medieval spindle which is very exciting it's got a um a, a cast pewter wool um with a little design on it and um i I broke out my or loom and I've been weaving um, a ribbon to uh, dress a distaff so I'll be using the spindle with a distaff um, which is probably just going to be some kind of stick that I find that is the right length <laughs> um, and, um, and then I'll be using the ribbon uh, to tie the fibre whatever I'm spinning um, onto the distaff um so that I can do this sort of medieval style spinning um so uh yeah I'm just doing like a a nice Baltic style inkle band I mean I didn't have to do this but also you know who are we if we don't um make things harder than they need to be <laughs> so I am weaving my own <laughs> my own band <laughs> um but it's fun I haven't done that in a while anyway um so yeah I'm weaving a nice Baltic band Inkle um, looms aren't particularly historical, but the process of like band
2: weaving is goes back way, way long time. Um, you can tell my brain is fried by the the way that I phrase <laughs> that. <laughs> so
1: yeah, in in between breaks from meditation, I've been doing that. <laughs> That's pretty
2: much it. <laughs> so what are we talking about today?
0: Well, I thought I would make it a bready hat trick.
2: Fantastic. Um, and talk about yeast. <gasps> the yeast? The the mother of the bread. Okay. I, I suppose you could call
0: it that. <laughs>
1: okay,
2: Apart maybe... The
0: that don't have yeast.
2: Maybe
1: I should just not say anything until next week.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please
2: tell me about yeast.
0: Yeah, this is just gonna be an hour straight of me talking about yeast.
2: <laughs> um, so I'm I'm kind of gonna pick up
0: where I think the sourdough episode left off a little bit because okay. you've talked about things like using beer balm and wild yeasts as raising agents. Um so I wanna take you in, in my time machine to the netherlands in 1680
2: exciting okay i'm getting in i'm ready (laughs) um where yeast is about to be discovered (gasps) so we have um antony van Leeuwenhoek, the father of microbiology
0: whose name I probably pronounced wrong because it's Dutch and I'm bad at pronouncing Dutch. Um, He is a draper with a, you can probably guess from the nickname, a great interest in lens making and
2: um, studying things with his microscope. Okay. And one of the,
0: um, what were called at the time in English, animalcules. Or just sort of microscopic life. Um, animalcules is basically tiny creatures. Oh wow, that's kind of cute. Um, so he looked at bacteria, blood cells. Um, he was the first to document uh, sperm
2: as okay. individual moving cells, and he also discovered yeast. Wow, oh, this this guy. Um, There's a reason he's called the father of
0: microbiology (laughs) Yeah,
1: a real passion for looking at tiny things
0: Yeah
2: Um, But he didn't think that yeast was alive Okay He thought it was just kind of This glob It's just a glob that is there sometimes, I guess According to
0: (laughs) Mr Van Leeuwenhoek
2: Oh, so Well, he (laughs)
1: Was he specifically looking to find, like, the thing that makes fermentation happen? Or was it just, like, oh, oh this is here. Wonder well, what it, it does.
0: He seems to have just generally looked around for small things. Okay. Think, um, one of the things he liked to do was look at bits of pond water under his microscope and just sort of see oh. what was there. And okay. describe the various animalcules that he could see.
1: <laughs> I like that word. It's a good word. Um OK, so he, he finds a glob.: He finds some globs,
0: and he goes, "Well, this probably isn't an animalcule. It's just a thing that is there sometimes." And for a while it was like, "Well, maybe it's a kind of algae, maybe it's a fungus." And then in 1837 um, Oh, it's, they are officially recognized as a fungus.
1: Wow, that took a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, like almost one hundred and sixty years later, someone goes. I think it's a fungus, actually. I think this is alive. It's a fungus.
1: And given the amount of time that people have been using yeast, I suppose without knowing specifically what what it was that was making things happen, Mm -hmm. like that's that's a long time.
0: But not knowing what yeast was did not stop people um they had managed to isolate a couple of different kinds by now um in the late 18th century we have um what's called top fermenting yeast
2: being sold as a raising agent for bread okay industrially produced in the Netherlands and in
0: Germany in the form of what's called a um, yeast cream. Hmm. Which is basically you know the scum that forms on the top when you like when you rehydrate dried yeast. Yeah, it's like that, that but concentrated.
1: Okay. And so you could just like spoon that into whatever you were making.
0: And I mean that's I'm skipping ahead a little bit but that is
2: very similar to what is used industrially now, Because uh-huh. on an industrial scale, we don't you don't use dried yeast. you use compressed yeast, which
0: I will get back to.
1: I have to say a yeast cream does sound like some kind of remedy.
0: Well let me tell you about Charles Fleshman. oh no <laughs> um if we if we want to briefly skip forward. To 1876 Philadelphia
2: I'm apprehensive
0: where compressed yeast or yeast cakes, essentially this yeast cream dried and packed into almost like a yeast bullying cube. Okay. was sold as food.
1: right So you could you could just munch. On a block of yeast.
0: So Fleshman himself made it just as a convenient form of yeast. Like it was relatively dried so it would last longer. But it it did eventually in the 20s become a health food. I see. Because it's it's full of vitamins. Ah, well, yes. (laughs) There's, There's an advert for this stuff. Which was sold in America as a creamy, wholesome candy.
2: Oh no. Wait, is it is it good for you to just eat yeast? I mean, Marmite is just yeast extract. Yeah, yeah I guess, but I generally you use that sparingly. <laughs> Apparently it would help
0: with constipation, according to the adverts. Is that this is a point where constipation was thought to be the cause of a lot of things. Like it's a it's a mass clogged intestines or a massive issue that will cause all sorts of health problems. So
2: eat these yeast cubes. Ah, uh, they'll they'll clear you right out. Yeah. Okay. Moving swiftly on. Yeah, so if
0: if we go, if we travel back in the eighteen fifties, we have Pasteur, who you've probably heard of, it's ringing about that yeast is alive, and it's it's, or rather that the fact that yeast is alive is the reason that it ferments. It's not a catalyst; it is consuming something and creating alcohol. Mm. Uh, okay. okay it's like it's it's a big it's a big few years for for yeast it's like <laughs> it's a fungus, it's not a catalyst. we're selling it we're producing we're mass producing blocks of it for, for home baking and industrial baking. We've got bridges, so production of things like wine is a lot less seasonal because things will last longer right because um for a long time there was a brewing season mm-hmm. from september to may and that just wasn't as much of a thing anymore
1: okay oh that's really interesting i expect, would would that be because of the temperature mm-hmm. like it slows down the fermentation
0: and yeah. okay you don't you don't want it to be too fast Essentially, yeah. Which is why, for a long time, people would brew underground, like literally underground, not like secretly.
2: Oh wow! <laughs> seen... Like yeah,
1: that makes sense. And I suppose in home brewing, that's why, like, you generally t- like you're supposed to put it in like the garage or the cellar or something.
0: Yeah, because a, a lot of people, I think. Yeah, a lot of people keep their houses on the warmer side, especially these days with like central heating. Mm-hmm. And if things brew too quickly, it can affect the flavour. Okay. Because obviously you don't want it too cold so that it's just not doing anything.
1: Yeah, it needs to be the right temperature for fermentation to happen, but not too fast.
0: And early fridges were not the at least five degrees that we're used to now okay (laughs) it was just kind of cold enough that your meat won't go off in two days this is this is so
1: fascinating
0: uh so so this is when we start getting like i said we've got specific strains of yeast um saccharomyces Cervaceae and um well was Carlsbergensis is now um past- Pastorianus, named after Pasteur.
2: Oh, that's a good
0: one. And like I say, the ability to mass produce yeast meant that bread prices went down because it it was more reliable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You have, you know, you put in X amount of compressed yeast which is as i said with the the yeast cubes is basically dry filtered yeast or sometimes more of kind of a paste like consistency depending how much they dry it and this this paste is what is still used now because it's much more reliable it's like okay we have this amount of yeast it will cause this amount of rising in these conditions
1: okay so you can plan your production
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, because mass production relies on consistency.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because there's no point making, here's a massive batch of bread people really liked. We've made another massive batch of bread. It's not as good. It's not a reliable product. (laughs) Um, Although you can also still get liquid yeast, um, again, largely in commercial contexts, which is this... um, this yeast cream
2: thing. I wonder if you can get that from like, yeah, like more wholesale type places.
0: It really depends on where you live, whether like how easy it is to get hold of liquid yeast. Um, yeah, you can get smaller bags in some places, depending on just like how how into artisan baking and brewing your area is. Um, or there are places where you can buy it in 25 ton trucks to be delivered straight to your industrial bakery wow and the the liquid tends to be about 15% actually yeast versus about 30% in compressed yeast
1: as someone who is an avid player of Euro Truck Simulator 2 I would like to request uh, (laughs) liquid yeast deliveries (laughs)
2: to be available
0: <laughs> but yeah then this is when we start getting into like i said yeast is a health food in the 20s we've got fleshman's yeast cubes which yeah you don't just you don't just eat it as is
2: oh okay you can What'd also you
0: crumble it into your fruit juice
2: oh
1: what <laughs> wait but if you're crumbling it into fruit juice which is very sugary is that not going to start fermenting i mean not that
0: quickly <laughs> Or oh um, uh, yes, into some water or milk and i have i have found a review um on sciencehistory.org of someone trying a yeast cake because it's still sold for home baking
1: amazing
0: um, describes it as smelling like a vat of stale beer and mm. instantly combining with saliva to make a, a sticky paste.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> mm, yeah, that sounds unpleasant. I think I'll stick to Marmite. Um, the, the writer's grandmother-in-law
0: seemed to think it was all right but just all right
2: okay but it was a person going around feeding the yeast to their family apparently i guess
0: you know you want to get other opinions <laughs> um but yeah with with the the juice thing there was even an advert specifically Suggesting mashing one up and then mixing it into tomato juice. Oh gosh! Whole business takes less than a minute. <laughs> uh, but like I said, yeast does contain B vitamins. Um, Marmite is very high in B twelve.
1: Okay, that's that's one that I remember reading. Um... A lot of people are deficient in just because of of the way things are now right um well the the big
0: cause of b12 deficiency is actually um veganism and to a lesser extent vegetarianism okay um and a lot of vegans will have something that's called nutritional yeast um
2: um, hmm.
0: which is normally saccharomyces um affectionately known by a lot of people including some people that i know as
2: nooch for short <laughs> um which is this kind of yellow powder
0: um which apparently tastes a little bit nutty and quite cheesy a lot of people like it on popcorn
1: okay so you can just like add it to stuff to
2: yeah just kind to of enhance.
0: sprinkling it on things It's pretty like, neat um because it's quite cheesy people add it to potatoes quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a cheesy mash thing but with added B12 that
1: actually sounds kind of nice.
0: Yeah, like, I would I would be willing to try it. Um but obviously because it's just yeast it's a lot lower in things like sodium than actual cheese. Okay. So it is it's a very healthy thing. Like fleshman may not have been making the best op- option but <laughs> you know it is full of it is full of b vitamins
1: wasn't entirely wrong um
0: but one thing i found when i was looking this up is yeast some yeasts um can also be used for bioremediation
2: what is that
0: Um using something biological to remove environmental pollutants oh wow um so there's a kind of yeast that degrades um palm oil and tnt and might be able to remove heavy metals from soil oh no way
1: i'd say hearing that yeast Eats TNT was
2: was not on my list of things that I thought I would hear today. Yeah, that's it's kind of wild. Quite impressive. But yeah, if if you need to
0: get some, if you need to get some TNT out of your soil,
1: <laughs> okay. without any awkward questions asked, <laughs>
0: without any awkward questions except possibly. Why are you seeding yeast here? Um, Yeah, get this yeast that is apparently found in the sewers of Paris, (laughs) (laughs) which are notably free of TNT. Well, they are now. Um, But apparently, it can also break down other hydrocarbons, which is useful for, you know, potentially useful for things like uh, the aftermath of oil spills. Brilliant it's so it's still being investigated for some of this, but it's pretty cool that that is amazing and yeah, there's it can also be used to remove arsenic from the soil, which is great because that pops oh, up wow. a lot in like mining mm-hmm. like, okay so lead leaching into the soil from mines is a
2: genuine problem. many uses for this yeast yeast is just really cool (laughs) um it's a true fungal friend it really is and like you know
0: sometimes it causes problems like yeast infections and that but overall i think yeast is a net positive for human beings
2: please just trying to help
0: it's doing its best (laughs) So I I did not talk for an hour about yeast but I, I have covered all of the notes that I made about yeast Wait, I forgot about dried yeast
2: What about dried yeast? Dried yeast
0: has been around since at least
2: 1771 Wow
0: And has been sold commercially since at least 1822
2: That is longer than I expected
0: Yeah, um, and I mean, if you've ever made bread at home, you've probably used dried yeast.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I normally use what comes in the little sachets.
0: Now I've covered all of the notes I made about yeast. I hope you enjoyed.
1: (laughs) I I did
2: enjoy. And now I kind of want to make some bread. The time journey through yeast. Yeah. Who does time
0: journey that's what we're here for
2: I'm really excited to have another attempt at sourdough bread Um, harnessing the yeast (laughs) but it is it's a while since I
1: used the the good old uh, tried and true dried yeast
2: so having now learned about um it's like its many uh, uses in history, I feel
1: like I should appreciate it more, you know, not be so seduced by the, um,
2: you know, fancy, mysterious, wild yeast.
0: your local yeast today.
2: <laughs> RPG ideas should be good, right? But what this podcast supposes is maybe they don't have to be. The Probably Bad podcast brings you ideas
0: like dire humans. Your GM in real life, and what if there is an eye laser man? Listen to the probably bad podcast available everywhere. Podcasts
2: exist, and some places where they don't.
0: So, what is what is our local larder?
1: Well, um, luckily we are staying on the theme, the yeasty theme. Excellent. Um, Because I like to, I like to match sometimes and. I thought I would go for a yeasted cake,
0: which... So we're, get, we're getting back into the what is bread versus what is cake now.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> like, I'm not sure are any hard and
2: fast rules in this debate. I think
1: like
2: um,
0: probably not, given, like, farms were just known as cakes for a very long time.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe it's a matter of opinion. And you've got, like, oat cakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. which, like, I guess you might categorise more of a biscuit, but... I mean, we cover oh,
0: the whole world of pastries that are called cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, this is all... I mean, a cake is a
2: mixture that you bake, right? It's it's more of a shape. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you You sort of mush it together into some kind of lump or
1: round like thing and then and then you you cook it yeah i feel like that's the essence of
0: a delicious carbohydrate lump (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: um so this is a very famous yeasted cake
1: um and this one is very much more our, our traditional um idea of a cake which is like a sweet fluffy object
2: Uh, It is the Google
0: What is one of these?
2: Oh, the Google Hopf. Oh, the Google Hopf. Which
1: is a a long time Central European
2: standard. Uh, The Google is um, a ring cake. And it sometimes gets confused with like a bunt cake um which
1: i think is like a popular american ring cake but um that one is not a relative of the kugelhopf because it is not yeasted oh yes and so one of the things that makes it the kugelhopf is that it is made with baker's yeast um but it is it is baked in the sort of distinctive ring shape um and this is quite famously associated with Austria um with with like the kind of Viennese pastry kind of scene but um it was also it's also extensively being made and eaten in like Germany and France
2: um and um in like Poland, Slovenia so it's 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 a fairly wide
1: yeah a fairly widespread cake. There's lots of different versions. Um, Some of them have like uh, fillings
2: in. They've got fruit in them. But the sort of classic versions, you might say, um, are the chocolate one, like the cocoa one, um, uh, plain one
1: with a little lemon zest um and then a marbled version Ooh. where you have like the yeah the
2: chocolate mixture and the normal mixture and you like swirl them which is always incredible <laughs> um so this is although it remains like,
1: incredibly popular today the google Hop is quite old
2: um certainly its name has a an older origin um so the name sin- seems to date back um at least as far as the 18th century
1: and things that are described as this cake are much older so there's an early recipe from a cookbook published in 18, uh, 1581 which describes it as a hat cake
2: hat cake a hat cake now um a google is a medieval kind of hat and okay. Hup um apparently means like to hop, so one interpretation of the name Google Hup is like to l- lifting the hat Quite which, fun. yeah, which is something you do when you I guess if you're
1: baking it in a mold and then you're like lifting the mold, but also apparently, um it originally it it wasn't baked in a mould so it could also be just because it's shaped like this really old style of hat Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, which I I thought was quite sweet
2: yeah
0: I like that I hope people decorate it like a hat sometimes
1: (laughs) oh that's adorable Um, (laughs) I would love that apparently um, in the sort of late medieval era um they would be like it would be quite a special occasion cake and it would be decorated with like flowers
2: fruits leaves or even candles um which sounds quite lovely I've only
1: seen sort of plainer versions um that might have fruit like included in them or something but but not that highly decorated so I would love to give it a try, actually, and just absolutely go ham with the decoration.
0: (laughs) Just fully turn it into a wreath.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But these days it is traditionally um,
1: baked in a special mould that gives it its distinctive, quite tall, round shape with a hole in the middle. Um, Usually there's some dried fruit in it um and despite its association uh mainly with Austria um it uh as I said has been has been eaten everywhere and um there is also a claim from France to be the inventors of the Google It was a controversy. Like many of these um, (laughs) regional foods, there is a fabulous
2: um, sort of rivalry for for who invented it. Um, So, in fact, uh, one of these stories, um, which I absolutely
1: love, I mean, we know that these have been made in France um, for a long time because... Um, there are uh, the, the specific molds have been found dating back
2: um, several hundred years. One um, of the stories for this appearance in France
1: is that um, the three wise men
2: from okay, the Christmas it's
1: story. It's one of those. The three wise men from the Christmas story um, travelled back through Alsace on their way back from Bethlehem which makes absolutely no sense but to where? presumably the Middle East oh wait no um, some of them are said to have come from like further afield aren't they um, but like I would still if they're said to have come from like the east
2: what would then they're going the, they're going the wrong way still that one's
1: <laughs> just got really lost Yeah, they just wanted to see Paris. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so they went to Alsace. um, And because they received such fabulous hospitality there, um, they baked
2: their hosts a delicious cake in the shape of a turban. Hey. (laughs) Normal thing to do. Needless to say, there is absolutely zero evidence. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but i kind of love it it sounds exactly the kind of thing that medieval people would make up
0: oh 100 percent um i mean as soon as you said the three wise red were friends it's like ah this is medieval yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um in fact uh in the small town of Reboville, there is a, a google hub f- festival every june or the fate de Kugelhopf.
0: Add it to the road
2: trip. That is just what I was thinking. <laughs> I feel like we need to check this out. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. <sorry. laughs> but but um, despite this
1: fantastical history, um, it is, it is still. Um, Often associated, uh, particularly with Austria and with like the Vien- the Viennese coffee culture, mm-hmm. um, which which is where the main name comes from. Um, apparently, it was it was extensively popularized
2: by Emperor Franz Joseph of Austria. Um, and and since um, they kind of got around in Europe, um, I imagine that helped it sort of spread. Um, Oh, it's also thought that the hop part, like the hop to jump, might be a
1: reference to it being yeasted um, and to the dough,
2: like, jumping, which I
1: quite like.
0: Makes sense, because before you've got artificial racing agents, you're not going to have stuff rise as much, because you're mostly relying on, like, the air that you get into the into the batter before you bake it
2: yeah and I'm wondering about like how much
1: it would have been like a big risen cake originally um given that like today it's traditionally made with
2: baker's yeast um and and doesn't have that kind of sour flavor but Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm not a baker so you know (laughs) I mean you can
0: get a good rise off a of sourdough though.
1: That's true, absolutely, yeah. But I'm um, just what because it's not traditionally flavored like a sourdough. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm wondering whether that was the method, but I guess I don't know. Like what um I haven't been able to to get this recipe from the 1581 cookbook. Um, although Oh no, no, here it is. Okay. Take milk and butter in a pan, let it boil, stir in white flour until it becomes thick. Keep it against the fire and collin. Don't know what that means. Dry it finely. Take eggs, put in warm water, uh, the dough in a clean dish and beat one egg after the other. Stir it with clean hands. Don't make it too thick, also not too thin. And such a dough can you need for spraying
2: baked, uh, something something German uh, you take a mug and make a hole in it and draw the dough through hot butter okay so it doesn't seem like it's specifically mentioning like the rise yeah there's
0: there's not a raising agent in there and Yeah, the secret German thing
1: but then
2: some of this is ju- I don't know what Straubin is uh, okay, i I think that's a reference to the dough, but I I could be missing something here because this is this is translated
1: and also very old, and I do not understand all of it. but it does it doesn't seem like there's a big a big rising like portion, but then again, this could be the like the right of the cookbook could be assuming that people would just do that anyway so yeah. that anyway the
0: problem with old recipes <laughs> <is> they <laughs> assume a lot of knowledge
1: yeah <laughs> anyway who knows but it's an interesting thing to think about and google hop is delicious and now i want some
0: <laughs> so as mentioned we have a patreon uh just bread and thread if you want as- access to recipes and a discord server
2: We also have a Twitter, on which we are
1: at Bread and Thread, where you can find uh, teasers for upcoming episodes, pictures of things that we talk about on the podcast, links to things if we mention them, um, and general news from the domestic history world.
0: We also have a Tumblr, which is basically the same as the Twitter, but more active because Twitter is dying.
2: And you can email us on breadandthreadpodcast at
1: gmail.com if you have any exciting thoughts about um, any of the things we mentioned, if you've got any fun family recipes, if you've got any suggestions for future episodes, um, if or if you want to tell us how amazing our podcast is, or how rubbish it is, um,
0: you can do that. Um, speaking of that, actually, you can review podcasts on Spotify now. Um We would super appreciate any reviews to make algorithms think that we're good at podcasting.
2: And also ourselves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.